Hello, everybody, and welcome to our first episode of the Everyday Sniper. This is Mike from Mile High Shooting, and I'm here with Frank from Sniper's Hide. Hi, everybody. And you're listening to the Everyday Sniper. The Everyday Sniper is recorded at Mile High Shooting in Erie, Colorado. If you want to know more about us and what we do, please visit Mile High Shooting Accessories, Sniper's Hide, and Mile High Detachment on social media. So we're going to jump right into it. Our first subject um, for our podcast is going to be, Who is Frank Galley? Who is Frank? Well, that's a good question. Everybody wants to know. Um, I started Sniper's Hide back in 2000, but before that I had gone to, uh, you know, Marine Corps like a lot of other people. Paris Island, 3rd Battalion, in the house. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta give those shout outs when you can. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I went directly... Uh, I went to a couple of different things. I, I went to Anford Recon School early on and, and had a little beef with a lieutenant, so I got moved over to the uh, the grunts as my punishment, so I walked right into State Platoon, and I said, hey, here's the deal. I went to ARS, and um, I want to go. And what's, it, what's ARS? Anford Recon School. Okay. And I couldn't go to 2nd Recon Battalion because that was where the lieutenant was from, and that was where I was supposed to go. And they're like, no, you two just ain't getting along. It's not right. going to happen. And we're not going to say any names on who that was because no, he's, he's probably dick. still around. Fuck him. <laughs> um, but uh, so the state guys were great I, I, I showed up in July for the 4th of July we went down to the international review of the reopening of the Statue of Liberty with Reagan and we floated up And there holy was smokes what year was this 86 85 86 86 it was it was 86 and um, so we were there for the international neighbor review and I took the guys out drinking and said hey I want to go to sniper school and they're like yeah man you can go to sniper school I was like cool so then I get back to my unit uh, Bravo Company and I'm like, hey, everybody, I'm going to sniper school. And they're like, shut the fuck up, PSC. Go sit down in the corner. But the guys were true to their word. In that October class, I went to sniper school. So I managed to graduate as a PFC. I was the junior guy at the class. My teammate from Bravo, or not from Bravo, but from 1-2, was a corporal, and he failed out. So in that, in that time frame, what was like the minimum rank requirement like who you were, were the supposed guys to have been normally... for like four years three years i think it was because you had to have qualified expert uh three years in a row so time and grade time and service yes that kind of thing okay. and and they 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 waived it for me one two didn't care one two had because they had just come back from float everybody's gone there's no more people left they need to restock the ranks so the guys at uh stay one two were all about sending me there was no issues there and uh, went through his 12-week course. Like I said, my, t- my teammate failed out. He was a corporal from Charlie Company, and I was a PFC from Bravo. And then we were doing the first special operations-capable workup, and that's when I went over to State Platoon. We were then split off of 1-2 and created the first MAGTAF, Marine Air, Air Ground Task Force. MAGTAF 2-88 is what it was called, and I ended up in the Gulf during the Iran-Iraq War. And had a bunch of stuff go down. Or an Ernest Will was the first operation that was reflagging the Kuwaiti tankers. And we were working with them. And then when the Iranians mined it and tankers hit the mines, and one of our, our own ships, the Roberts, hit a mine, it became Praying Mantis. So we went from Ernest Will, which was kind Flipped of... in a second. Yeah, yeah, to Praying Mantis, which was a combat action. So I ended up getting combat action in 1988. And that was rare. Sure. You know, this is prior to the Gulf War and the whole thing. So that's who Frank is. And from there, I started Sniper's Hide in 2000. 
And what had happened is Jacob at Rifles Only came to Connecticut and recruited me to so, come. So before you get into that, what what is Sniper Side and what was your like? What was your view of it when it was first? It was starting? a good well because there was shooting boards that had just started. It was more than in the BB message board days of the internet, and they never worked right. And so guys, we were all chatting up on this one little shooter.com website, and it didn't never worked. So the guy said, "Hey, you know, why don't we make our own?" So I made our own sort of chat board. And it turned into this just big, I mean, I had timing on my side and it turned into this big giant community. And right now we have, uh, you know, 118,000 members, uh, you know, millions of views a month. My People always bring up my Alexa rating is like 27,000 in the country. So that means there's only 27,000 websites better than mine. That's pretty good. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's pretty high up there. Um so, uh, yeah, it's a community, it's a shooting community, it's discussion, it's precision rifle, it's everything. I mean, we talk about from your shoes to your underwear to, you know, your scopes and rifles and everything in between. And, and that's what it's always been about, is sharing information and putting out positive, good stuff out there for people. So that's in the forum section, but you have multiple sections to your website. So you have uh, videos, training. Yeah. Um, what other sections do you have? Uh, I mean, it's it, there's thirty something forum sections of a discussion, so it's everything. But I mean, I how I started Sniper's Hide was under the idea of shoot, move, communicate. Okay. Same thing that the snipers did: shoot, move, communicate. You know, no more than three shots from any particular location, and it's always about sending information back. Uh, you know, stays has a has a intel component. Um, to it, so th there was that. So, so I, for listeners newer to this community, what what is a hide? Uh, it's it's basically the, the sort of the sniper's nest. There you go. Yeah. So okay. it's it's your it's your location where your final firing point is from, or where you're operating out of. Uh, it could be underground, and and you could be moving in and out of a hide. Uh, you know, depending on the location and what you're doing. But the hide is basically where the sniper lays up and hangs out. There you go. Yeah. And that's why you made it a form. Yeah, snipers hide. And it, and it goes funny, wait, because snipers hide, yes. Yeah. Sniper hide, yes. You know, all these different things. Right. And it's like, you know, people say snipers hide. And I say, yes, they do. So how long has snipers hide been around? And you, you started to kind of get into that story? Um, 2001 is when it, it became what it is today. And then in 2003 is when Jacob from Rifles Only came down and recruited me to do the competition, the Sniper Side Cup, and to do the training and the things like that. And that started kind of my joint work with uh, Rifles Only. And that's where a lot of people knew us originally from, was the work we did with Rifles Only. Uh, me teaching alongside them and then hosting and doing several competitions a year is where that all came from. And then, in, you know... But it's still kind of going on today the way it's always been. It's just, you know, small changes, evolutions, you know, ups and downs, things like that. But it's it's pretty much under the same as it's always been. I think Sniper's Hide for me, the Sniper's Hide Cup anyways, was my first national level match. And that was a couple of years ago. Um, I thought it was performed very well. And it was nice because it was in our backyard. Yeah. Um, and... It, I think that was the first time that you'd got over 200 shooters to it. Yeah, 236. 236. It was the first time any match had that many. And that's a, that's a lot. And mm -hmm. there was a lot of stuff going on. And I know on the back end, there was a lot of stuff that you had to control. Um, 
now moving forward with the Sniper's Hide Cup? I know it's moved away from Colorado, and, and you've had it in a couple different locations, like a team match, and yep. and then uh, there, was, there was another cup that you held. Was that invite-only? Uh, no, it was supposed to be invite-only, and it turned out not to be. We kind of scrapped that idea at the last minute. Um, but we had the Sniper's Hide Team Challenge, which I do in Washington State with Carl Taylor. Carl Taylor does that long-range reality TV show. Um, but then I did the individual Sniper's Hide Cup back down at Rifles Only this last year. So that was the individual match and then the team match. The team match is a field course. Uh, you know, natural terrain, natural obstacles, trees, sticks, brush, and things like that. Uh, find the target, range the target, hit the target. Where Rifles Only is more of a PRS event. Okay. Are you thinking about doing anything with the NRL? Um... You know, I'm looking at the 22 thing, but I'm right now, I'm not supporting any series beyond saying I like what I'm seeing from the 22 side of the NRL versus the sort of the PRS. But I, I think these guys are, are a little bit in flux, so I'm doing my own thing. But the NRL, originally I shot the NRL down quite a bit. I, I you know, they were, I looked at them as disgruntled PRS guys, but then, you know, they, they, their marketing is better. Their 22 league appears better, and, and I'm I'm kind of cool with that. But um, I'm thinking 22 stuff might be fun. Yeah, it's kind of picked up, and we got a lot of 22 matches in our backyard here up in uh, like Briggsdale. Mm-hmm. Um, I shot an NRL match with Adam, our, our head gunsmith, and we had a really good time. That was up in Craig, the uh, yep. the title sponsor match. Right. And you know the first day. And then rolling into the second day was all the same stuff. You just had a little bit less time and less equipment to use it. And it was, I don't like that. It was man. it was funny to watch. It was I'm funny not to a watch because you know the gamers they get out there and they do really well. And then you know you take all their stuff away from them and they they tend to struggle. But I mean, if you're a good shooter, you're a good shooter. Yeah, you're gonna do well either way. Um, but the trick for some guys, what well, you know, you know, you ask somebody their game plan, they're not gonna give you the full game plan. They're just gonna give you, well, well, uh, I might do this, I might do that, and. We saw uh, a few guys that were up there that were like, you know, on the first day I'm not going to use any of the equipment that I can't use on the second day. Yes. And you know, Smart the second that way. day, yeah, and the second day I'll I'll, I'll try to succeed, uh, which which worked out for a few of them, and it was a really good match, and it was fun, and uh, especially the squad that that I was on, our original goon squad, um, it was it was just a fun shoot all around, and the and the guys who put it on uh, were very well spoken, and they were doing a lot of give back to the community at the time mm -hmm. and uh, I think they they did really well with that and a lot of donations went up there so it was, it was just good all around for the community yeah and I, I, the only thing I said I've been to like three matches that did the like two minutes the first day 90 second the second day mm -hmm. and it's like uh, that's a little bit cheating the people out of a match you're doing the stage twice but I get it. It, it it helps new people and I'm gonna probably do more of a fantasy camp with the um, team challenge where we're going to set everything up ahead of time, let people come in and actually, like in an admin way, learn how to handle a stage. And we'll have variety from field stages to mover stages to PRS-type stages and barricades and let them admin through it. And then um, your, your two-day match will move forward, but it'll really be like a three-day event. And the first day will be more fantasy camp. How do I address this? How do I meet with the um, tripod people and address the tripod? How do I meet with mover people and learn about movers and do that? Because I'm about bringing in the new shooters. Mm -hmm. I like the juniors. I like uh, um, the team challenge always has a whole squad of juniors. I have like eight to ten kids under 16 years old at my matches. 
and I, and I really like that aspect of matches. But, um, you know, the, the Sniper's Hide as a, in terms of a website encompasses all of this. From, like I said, from your shoes and socks up to your rifle and scope to your ammunition and ballistic software. Uh, down to training and competitions. And we'll talk more training later. Oh, absolutely. But um, to competitions and things like that. We're, we're about all of it. So getting into the equipment stuff. You do a lot of reviews. You cover a lot of content when it comes to equipment. Um, and we here at Mile High, I always see guns coming in for you, guns going out, guns yeah, coming in, guns always. going out. Um, why does everybody trust you with their equipment like that? I'm fair with the companies. I talk to them. I don't just go out and I'm not a gotcha guy to try to do a hit job on somebody. If something happens, I give the company a chance to resolve it. And not that it happens like that a lot, but it does. But I've had I've had a long history in this uh, business, the gun industry. I've had good relationships with a lot of people. I mean, companies were made on Sniper's Hide. There's there's people who, who will make no bones about giving me credit, which I don't think I deserve in a lot of ways other than giving them a platform. I mean, it's still their product. But I have a lot of people that always say, you know, you, you made my company what it is. And it's like, well, I did and the Sniper's Hide members did because they supported you. But that's why they trust me with it. I'm square with them. I'm fair with them. Um, I, I don't hold them up. I don't. Nowadays, they charge for reviews. Like you do YouTube videos and stuff. Those guys are charging for the editing. And, and, it, and it is costly. If I had to charge somebody for editing, it would be $2,500 a finished minute. Nobody's going to pay that. Right. So I don't charge them. And I get emails every day. Hey, we want to send you this rifle. What's it going to cost us? It's like, dude, that's content for me too. It's not going to cost you anything. Right. You know, that's my philosophy on it. But no, I'm square with the companies and they know that. That's good because I think that forwards the community even more than when they got somebody out there with your type of background and your mm-hmm. um, your know-how and you know how to use this equipment. I and they ND- know that you're going to use it for its intended purpose. Yeah. So I NDA with a ton of people too. I mean, people don't realize how many companies reach out and say, hey, we're coming out with a product next year or two years from now. I mean, Ruger was one of them, and and you know how do, how do we how do we do this? What do you think of that? I mean, God, nobody knows that the the Ruger RPR was prototyped here in Colorado with us. You know, the guys flew out here from mm-hmm. uh, the East Coast, and we shot it and talked about it. I still have some of the prototype mags because originally it was going to have a proprietary mag, and and so I I do that with a lot of companies, and those people appreciate that because I'm not sticking them up when I do it. So, what steps do you take? to review equipment is there like a set checklist when you get it in or you intake whatever it is and you look at it you go okay i'm gonna go down this checklist and Mm -hmm. and this is you know i'm gonna try to break it or i'm gonna try to slower than most that i i tell companies anywhere from 45 to 90 days minimum i want rounds underneath it we've been bit years ago in the past i'm talking 10 15 years back you get a product in and you want to you want to do a great job and, and you get it on the first weekend, you take it out, shoot with it, and on Monday your review comes out. Then on Wednesday you go out again and something breaks. Mm-hmm. I do not want that to happen anymore. So what I try to do is put a thousand rounds underneath something. I mean, I might be able to knock it out in five, six hundred rounds, which saves me a little time and effort. But I want rounds underneath the, the product because I want to make sure I understand it. I want to make sure it's working and you're not going to get bit. That's your money. These guys send me that stuff. I don't pay for it that way. I mean, a lot of times like today I showed up here and I'm shipping two rifles back. Yeah. Right. 
They don't let you keep it all. Two the rifles you just reviewed, and the and the review came out that I saw you pick up about three months ago. Yeah. And I was like, is he keeping those things? What's going no, on? No, I said, like I said, I just tell him to give them to me for an extended period of time. But so what that what that means to our listeners and and how I'm taking it is when you get something, you're not just okay. I'm going out there. I'm going to put five rounds through it. I'm going to show everybody a cool little group. You know, you're you're taking it, and I see you go out to the range all the time. I've been out to the range with you when you when you're testing this stuff, and you know that's you do it multiple times, and I see multiple videos. So, um, what these folks are what these folks are looking at when you put out a video, that's that's almost like the culmination finished product, and, and you've been taking clips this whole time. Yeah, is that what's going on? Exactly. If if people saw the the the, the making of the omelet, it's it's boring and ugly. Um, I go out. I'll zero rifle up, I'll shoot it, I'll take it out to, like, say I take it out to the 14, 1500 yard target. Mm-hmm. I'm doping the rifle out as, as if I just got it. It's my first day. I dope it out, I chronograph it, I do all that stuff. Well, when I come back, I do it all again. I, 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 do, it, I do it a second time. It's like, they, um... <laughs> no, we're laughing. We, we're, we're, we're got... We got Hi, Diane. The, the, the head honcho of yeah. Mile High Shooting. She's behind me. Didn't realize that we were recording. <laughs> hi, Di. Come in and say hi. Come, Come on. say hi. So sorry. We're so using sorry. we're using Mile High's office, so we got Julie's office here and Diane's here, but we're so all good. Sorry. No worries. We're, we're in the with the heart of Mile High Shooting. But uh, so I do it again, and then I do it again, and I check the dope. I may swap a scope. I may put a different scope on it because I'm reviewing a scope and shoot it again, but it's always 200, 300, 400, 500 out to 1,000, 1,200, 1,400 yards, 200, 300, 400, 500. So, so you're basically doing it as if you know the end user went, got their rifle, put a scope on it, and they're like, hey, I'm going to go out and get all the information that I can, and then I'm going, you know, whatever they do from there. Yep. They just they shoot it on a, you know, shoot it on a weekend or they go compete with it. You're doing mm-hmm. the steps that they would do to get to that point where you're like, okay, I feel comfortable that I can I can shoot this rifle. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. I mean, hey, good, good example, uh, a Zeiss scope came in, and the Ruger and 5.56 RPR showed up here in 5.56. Yep, so I took it, zeroed up, got it all ready. That f- next weekend was the Pawnee match. Yeah, so we I shot. Took, I took shot that Ruger. Never shot it. That was like the third time I ever shot it when I went to the Pawnee match with mm-hmm. it. Came in ninth with the thing, and so that's one of those with th- a two two three. Yeah, two two three. Shooting out of- up, shooting up with guys that are shooting the the fast, sexy sixes and six fives and whatnot. Yeah. And the 77 grain prime was only going 2,500 feet per second. I was dying with that thing going so slow. <laughs> like it needs to be 2,900, and I'm at 25. But um, yeah, that's what I do. I do the same thing you would do. I just do it as many times as I can, and in, in try so, to get it to repeat. Yes, to make to... sure it's it's doing what it's supposed to do, and something doesn't come up and bite me. And I think that's why a lot of people trust you with their equipment too, because they know you're going to do it right, and they're going to. They're going to be able to yeah. say, okay, yeah, if it breaks, he's going to give us a call and I mean, like offer with, a fix. And then, with you know, go scopes, from there. I'll check tracking every single time I go to the range. Like, I'll do a tall target test four or five times. And it's like, frig, it's boring. I've already done it. I already know what it is. Well, let's see if it keeps doing that. Because I have had scopes, and it's not uncommon to break like 200 rounds in. You'll get the scope, and it's working at work. I, I had one. I won't mention the name, but it begins with A. And, um,. <laughs> I shot, I was filming a video, I shot, I didn't like the way I said it, I went back, reset everything, shot it again, I said, well, that didn't sound great, if I put this word and this word together, it'll be even better. So my third take on it, 
I do it. I miss the target, miss the target, miss the target. I'm like, what the frig is going on? How can I miss this target? I just did it twice and it was perfect. I go back to 100 yards with it, zero slipped, inch and a half. So right, or the scope's no longer holding zero. Mm-hmm. So now that video's trashed. I got to throw it all away. I got to go back. I got to go to the company and say, hey, your scope slipped zero. It's not holding anymore. And that was about 200, just at the 200 round mark. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of an important thing to do is keep checking this stuff. And a lot of times it's boring. Yeah, it sounds tedious. Mm-hmm. Um, do you torture test? Quote, yes. unquote. Quote, unquote, torture test. So, what they ask me, I used to do it a lot at Rifles Only to entertain myself. Okay, so like, I, how would you define a torture test? Like, I've blown Glock, stuff up with t- Tannerite. Is it a Glock torture test? Is it? Yeah, okay. I've, I've actually sat Tannerite underneath a rifle and scope combination and blew the friggin' thing up four feet into the air and then took it out and shot it. I, I've done some pretty stupid stuff on video to torture test. I don't do that as much anymore. I still get people say, hey, try to break it. Mm-hmm. And now I'm a little bit more, I try to break it like as if you were using it more so. I don't just purposely go out to break something. But I do spin the knobs pretty hard, pretty fast, pretty often. I'll sit home and just be spinning out a thing at my desk, you know, and, and spinning it around a circle in my hand if they're telling me to break something. But I don't torture test like I used to. Right. So you just, you're flipping the buttons and turning the switches and everything. Yeah. And, and, uh, I could break anything if you want. I mean, if you, I'm sure. if you yeah, want me to break could, something, right. I'll break it. But the thing is, <laughs> I just it, didn't know if there was like will a... it break under normal use? That's where you really kind of want it to be. How you're going to use it, it shouldn't break. But I, if I if I just accelerate that process to see if it breaks, and sometimes it does. That mm-hmm. I've broken parts off of stuff just shooting a lot fast, you know, and shooting a lot fast often. So that's kind of one of those things. Okay. How do you decide on what you're going to test? Like for Companies come to me, okay. but if I see something new that I like, I'll reach out to them. They don't always respond. I turn people down all the time. No. Heck, I, I mean, like Amazon or somebody wanted to send me one of those like counter sniper red, blue, green scope for $89. Yeah. It's like, no, dude. No, you got the wrong guy. So can someone just send you something? Like just random stuff show up at your doorstep? Or is there They'll like set, email first? Is there yeah. like a set of rules that you go by? They like, usually email first. Nobody. I'm, the only thing now that comes randomly is books. I get a lot of books just because I'm on the publisher list. But um, product, they usually let me know it's coming. Every now and then there'll be companies that I have a relationship with, and something will show up. Like Night Force just had the one to eights. The one to eights will show up, and like the day they show up, I'll get the phone call that says, "Hey, these are going to be coming." I'm like, "Yeah, I got them today." So the timing will be off a little bit, but um, there it just depends on the company. Okay. Um, do you do negative reviews and like contact the manufacturer? I know you kind of touched on it a little bit, like something bad will happen, you contact the manufacturer. You, yeah, and- they're kind of uh, arrogant about it when something breaks. There's there have been companies that say you know, yeah, you just don't know what you're doing. Okay, and, so and, so I guess this is kind of a two three part question. So, when you're able to you know contact a manufacturer, are they able to correct the problems? It's question one. Yep. Okay. Question two: How often does any advice that you give they actually take into consideration? And then part three: How often is a generation two built based off of your recommendations? on what they've done in their in their first gen research. 
Yeah, that that happens a lot. Um, I would probably say it's sixty to seventy-five percent where they're good with everything, and there's that twenty-five percent where they tell me I don't have a clue what I'm saying, and then it's like, great. So when next time somebody asks me about it, it's like, no, nah, that thing's screwed up, dude. You don't want to go near that. Nah, that's wait till Gen three comes out because Gen one and Gen two is not going to be right. So you'll get that kind of happen. Uh, you try to give the best advice you can to companies. And some of them are pretty good with it. Some of them are terrible movement-wise. Um, uh, you know, I'll give you a great example. And it just happened today, yesterday. I came up with a new data book page. I called Impact. I saw, I saw that on Facebook. I didn't open it up. I was like, oh, what's Frank up to? Yeah. And then I saw something from Delish. And I was like, that looks good. So I'm, I'm going to watch that. Yeah, so <laughs> I, 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 I draw it on a new data book page. I said, this is a great page. People should use it. I send it off to Tony Jamelli over the weekend. So Sunday, I think, I emailed him a mock-up. Okay, and who's he? Uh, Jamelli owns Impact uh, Data Books. Okay. So uh, I use Impact Data Books. They do a lot of Sniper's Hide stuff. Tony's a great guy. He was in the Marine Corps, Secret Service dude. Known him a long time. Um, yesterday, it went to print. Oh, well, there, there you go. Yeah, there's other people where I'll be like, hey, I got a great idea, man. If you just did this and tweaked that, and they're like, yeah, that sounds awesome. And two years later, you never seen it. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I'm not chasing you, man. I gave you the idea, and normally I write it down. I give them us, and it's like, either you can make it or you can't. So are they going to include that in all their... Because we buy a lot of Impact out of books. Yes, we're going to have the, the the new Sniper's Hide one's going to get for new... There's a Sniper's Hide edition Impact out of book, okay. and I'm going to redo so the So now pages. that you said that, I have to buy them. Yes, you're okay. gonna, we're going to use them for our classes. We okay. do the Mile Hide Detachment in the classes. We'll use the Sniper's Hide Impact out of book, and we'll just stick Mile Hide Detachment on them instead of Sniper's Hide and call it good. <laughs> <laughs> you're such a friend. Let's see. You know, you brought up training a few times, so let's switch gears and start talking about that. Um, how long have you personally been instructing Precision Rifle? How long have you been an instructor? Um, 2003 to 4. 4 would be full-time. Full 2003 started it at Rifles Only, and then I was three weeks on, one week off down there for seven years at least. So, I mean, we did a ton of classes down there. We, we I, I was living in the trailer down there and just taking a plane ride, you know, once a month to get down there and once a month to come home, and that was it. But three weeks on, I was living on there. The height of the wars, we were t doing two military classes to one civilian class. So, quite a bit. Um, so, in that time frame, you kind of covered this. You, you're doing civilian classes, LE classes, military classes, yep. and you're still doing those to this day. So, from the experience you had from 1988 when you went to sniper school mm -hmm. to deploying and, and being involved in all these operations, and then starting to instruct in 2003. Mm hmm. And prior to that, having the sniper side form, because you started that in 2000, 2000. 2001, yeah. Um, I would say that's that's a lot of good experience, and that's a lot of information that you've jam-packed into the last, what? 15, 20 years. 20 yeah. years. I yeah, mean, it's, it's quite a bit. I mean, we see a lot. Even, like, the classes now, like, Alaska's packed. I can't, I mean... Shoot, last year alone, we just did 75 people just in Alaska. You know, we divided up and all that. And so you see such a great variety of people, and you get a lot of really good experience. I don't chase military contracts anymore, but there's always one or two military guy. Uh, 
especially like up in Alaska, Air Force guys and things like that will roll into my class. Um, and then I keep up with the community. I'm pretty active in the Scout Sniper Association and the Recon Sniper Association. So I talk with those guys quite a bit and try to pick up what's changing, what's new, what's happening. And, and you know how it goes. It's just I got I got my finger on some part of the pulse, whether it's a pulse in the foot or a pulse in the wrist in the neck it just yeah. depends and it's not just alaska that you're going to oh everywhere new york yeah. uh, here there i'm i've done classes everywhere and um, outside the country as well yeah argentina um canada all over um you know so it's it's been i tell people from alaska to argentina covers it all i've taught because that's the best swing it takes you right through the states right down through canada and that's been my big push for all that and, and not just sniper side, but you offer classes through the Mile High Training Group. And for those of us catching up, it, Mile High Training Group is something that Mile High Shooting Accessories has put together as a, as a training unit. Um, you know, traveling teams, a lot of the stuff that we want to do local, and we'll do it out in Fort Morgan. So all you guys who are watching videos of uh, Frank shooting and, and torture testing, um, that's the range that we're going to be at, and that's the range that we're going to use for a lot of the stuff that we want to do here in Colorado. Um it's a great range. It's got good wind. It's got targets every hundred yards to a mile. Um, we can back up. We can make it two thousand. You know, we can make it actually more than that. We can make it. Um, we can make it thirty-eight hundred, I think, if not a little more. But uh, it's got a great target package out there. It's got good, good uh, natural berm backstop for us, so it's safe. Um, it's good location, good hotels, everything. Um, it's an hour and a half from the airport, and it's fifteen minutes from the hotels in Fort Morgan. Uh, and, and it's just an awesome location for classes. And we have a March class coming up, and Frank and I will be out there. And if you want to shoot with us also, um, we do a, a, a shoot up in the Pawnee Sportsman Center. It's the NOCO Precision Rifle at Pawnee Sportsman Center. You can look them up on Facebook as well. Um, but we're out there every second Saturday of the month, uh, out there shooting with you guys and, and having a good time. But we have a March class that's coming up, and I think we just got a couple openings for yeah, it. Yeah, two slots opened up. Uh, 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 one team of guys were coming as friends, and they, they had to roll into the May class. Scheduling conflict. I get one of the guy's uh, sons is, is graduating boot camp or something. Oh, right on. So, yeah, we'll have two slots opened up for our March class. Um, and then we have May and August happening here. So if those slots aren't filled up by the time that we publish this podcast what are the dates on that class oh i don't know was it 18th i think march 18th i'd have to look on the calendar to be honest i'm terrible with dates in the meantime we also have a class coming up in may so you already said we got two people rolled into that one we try to cap it at 12 um the that, that 23rd way. uh 23rd is the is the march class um, March 23rd, 24th, 25th. These are three-day classes. And then May is um, the 18th, 19th, and 20th. There you go. So I do three-day classes for everybody. It's a nice little, usually Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So I know you're an international man of mystery, but how often are you planning on putting on a class? So you have a March and then you're skipping April going Yeah, into we're doing May. every other month here right now only because of the, just the, the way the schedule is. But I'm sure we'll end up doing um, every month. I used to, from March to October is usually how it goes. This year, we're, we're you know, I was making room for some of your LE classes because you guys do a lot of LE being yep. the LE uh, yep. distributor for AI. Yep. A lot of stuff cycles through that. So to kind of keep a hole in the class schedule a little bit. 
I did every other month, but we'll next year probably do every month. Uh, I was uh, when we were doing the uh, stuff here in Colorado two years previously. I was doing every month from March to October, and those were all full. So we'll we'll end up going to the same schedule. But this year for 2018, every other month. And you can sign up for those classes on MileHighShooting.com, or you can give us a call at 303-255-9999, and we'll get you set up with the class and give you some information, uh, a little more detailed information on that. Um, last question I have for you, Frank, is what made you want to teach? You know, I like interacting with everybody. I think it's fun. I, I enjoy the, the, the challenge of everybody's different when it comes to this. It's so unique. And it's funny when guys will teach something and say, well, this is the best way to do it. It's like, yeah, but that works for you because you're six foot five and your hand's this big and you do that. But what about like young kids and what about women and what it, it doesn't work for them? Oh, so I like that that challenge of taking care of each individual and seeing them go away a better shooter. So that's that's one of the things that that definitely and it's a good learning experience, man. There's there's no better way to 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 understand what's happening in the precision rifle world than to see somebody kind of mess it up and have to fix it. Sure. So it's it's learning from mistakes is is I guess is a good way of putting it. Do you ever feel like sometimes there's like information that's being put out there and you're going, what is this guy doing? Oh my god, all the fix time. It or? All the time. I having to bite your. I'm terrible biting my tongue. <laughs> Get out uh, of town. Yeah, yeah, go figure, right? My, my buddy Mark up in Alaska says I have a bridge-burning kit in my back pocket. And, and and it's gasoline matches and the whole thing. I'm not afraid to use it. But, um, I yeah, all the time. There's some really bad information out there. There's old wives' tales that go back to, you know, 1968, 1978. Stuff has changed so much over the years. It, it's like, yeah, that doesn't apply. Or guys who, you know, don't do the fundamentals and it's like, well, I don't follow through. I just touch the trigger and tap it and it works for me. It's like, yeah, because you're never out of the prone, dude. Sure. You know, but so the, there's a ton of that. I, I It's kind of like the stupidest thing I read on Facebook today. You know, that's every day. That kind of stuff. Do you ever take any classes? Yes, uh, all the time. Uh, mainly, not so much precision rifle I have. But I've taken Vickers class, Pat Rogers class, Tiger McKee class, Redback 1, Jason Fala class. I've taken um, Clint Smith classes all the time. We we help set up the heart stuff that he does over there. So I used to always take mainly carbine handgun classes, but um, I definitely take classes. I'm a fan. I take cinematography classes. Uh, the guy who did... Um, Terminator Salvation. Hurlburt came to Denver. I took his stuff. And, oh really? Yeah, he did. He did that. Uh, he did that Navy SEAL movie too. I don't remember what it was called. That there was one of them, um, some in the middle of the wars Navy SEAL movie. He but he filmed that, and I took his class. Right but uh, yeah, I take classes, man. I'm all about classes. It's good knowledge is power, man. It is, especially when you're trying to keep like fresh and new stuff going on and. Mm -hmm. uh, people coming to your class and just passing on the good word basically taking being able to take all the good stuff from this class and all the good stuff from this class and the stuff that didn't really work out for you it may work out for somebody and just kind of have it in your backpack for life and just yeah. kind of dish it out uh when you need to i mean there's there's always something even it, even if it's something i don't agree with it's like there's a learning there's a lesson to be learned in it you know i'll i i try to keep my my finger on as much as i can and and i don't agree with everything but I mean, if it's making somebody a better shooter, good. Go for it. Absolutely. You know, it's a tool in the toolbox. Sometimes you want to break it out. Sometimes you have a tool that only works for a freaking Rolls Royce. What a, you know, nothing else. 
Just got to buy it and have it. I met Frank about five years, or no, not five years ago, about four years ago. And uh, it was funny because I was just stepping into this precision long-range stuff. And, you know, this is, what, 2013-something. And I'm going, who's this Frank guy and why should I care? Like, he'd come up to the door and, you know, they'd let you in and everybody would be like, oh, Frank, 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 Frank. And um, I had no idea who, who he was, so I had to Google his name. And then, you know, all that stuff came up with Sniper Side, and I was like, oh, okay, this guy, he's a big deal. So when he would walk past where I was at in the showroom, I'd be like, hey, what up, Frankie? And then it it just escalated from there because uh, one of the guys I was working with at the time was like, how do you know him? What's going on? And then I would just talk to him like I talked to anybody else and it just kind of it went from there to us goofing around at shot show and doing bff stuff yeah that was fun um doing bff stuff on facebook and just kind of following each other around and and uh doing ridiculous things and and going to shoots and having a good time well but that shoot you guys do is one of the funnest ones around that little local and we have a blast with it even after like the posts and the different things around that whole competition and who's and building up to it yes when i when i post something on that on that facebook page it kind of it catches on fire i I posted something the other day and it went on for about three days and people were responding with five paragraph answers and i was like oh my god they're fun um but everybody has an opinion and everybody should voice their opinion and whether you whether you take it to heart or whether you don't you know it's up to you mm-hmm. um but the thing that is always um really caught me about frank is i would have to say in this industry alone and in, in in this um precision rifle world frank galley is hands down my favorite person that's out there because <laughs> he's funny he knows what the hell he's talking about He's the kind of guy that'll give you the shirt off of his back, but he's realistic and he'll he'll tell you the way it is, whether you want to hear it or not. Some people don't like that. I appreciate it because I want I, I like to know where I stand with people, and I've always had fun with Frank. I agree. I had fun with you. You're one of the best guys down here. To, we just have a blast, yeah. man. It, it, between shot, between here, it's it's a fun time. People don't realize like how much we're just laughing on this stuff. You know, walk in the door and it's like, start any fights today, Frank? Yeah. Funny you should say that. <laughs> but yeah, it's all good, man. And so, I enjoy. It. I'm gonna. I'm looking forward to the to the classes. Mike's gonna help me um, with the classes out here from Mile High, and I'm looking forward to that. I think we're gonna have a blast. So you guys, if somebody's interested in learning precision rifle, these are basic classes, and it's the way to learn. And you have a good time with us. We'll we'll, we'll keep it light and lively. Um. Everybody here is listening to the Everyday Sniper, and we're going to keep this podcast rolling, and we're going to talk about a lot of different subjects, um, a lot of topics of discussion, and we're hopefully going to get be able to get some industry people either oh, call in or, yeah. or, or to be here and discuss their products. And we're going to basically go from your shooter who is just being educated into this entire world to the guy who's who's doing this every weekend and we're we're going to talk about a lot of stuff and we're going to have video as well and frank will put that on sniper side and we'll have some range time but yeah get a hold of us if you want have a question you want answered let us know what you want like i said from from what boots we're wearing because it's funny how many people say hey what watch you have on in that video it's like my watch you know, you know right. I'm like, I'm like, hey, look at me. Shoot the altitude on your watch. Come yeah, on. yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, you're gonna shoot off. You're gonna shoot to a mile. What watch are you wearing? Hey, what knife is that in your belt? It's like, what? Well, it's a Strider. Well, 
So, but yeah, so yeah, ask us a question. We'll have a Facebook page. We'll have the Snipers Hide. You can email or PM us. Get a hold of Mike at Mile High. We'll probably could do a call-in with Mile High's number here a couple times. Let people do a call-in show with us. Yep. And um, I would like to, uh, when we kind of get a little more episodes going, I would like to do something even in the showroom where you know, customers are coming in. Yeah, we've got the gunsmiths down there. Be able to ask those Logan, questions. Adam, Fritz, all those guys. We'll, yep. we'll get the gunsmiths up to answer your question. Got a weird gunsmith question? We'll bring the gunsmiths up. So, so you can find us on social media. You can find us on uh, Mile High Shooting Accessories. You can find us on Sniper Side. You can sniper. find us every on day the Everyday Sniper. <laughs> and we'll also give you that uh, that web address. We'll get, another... wine mixer. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get that web address up for you guys. Uh, and again, if you got any questions, you want to call into Mile High Shootings, 303-255-9999. You can also reach me very easily at Mike, M-I-K-E, at milehighshooting.com. And lowlight, L-O-W-L-I-G-H-T, at snipershide.com. Thanks for listening, guys. Thank you. Have a great one.